Super Bowl 57 preliminary betting market breakdown. Suma, we've already seen quite a bit of movement when it comes to the point spread and the total for Chiefs Eagles. Also, some pretty robust early prop betting offerings. I'm wondering if it's safe to assume this might be the most active first 48 hours of a Super Bowl betting cycle that you can recall. Yes, I, th- I think so. Um, Super Bowl, always the, let's say, event with the almost most liquidity, I would guess, like soccer, World Cup final, Champions League final, um, Super Bowl are probably all in the same tier. M- maybe the, the World Cup final still has more liquidity to it. But overall, I think that uh, Super Bowl, especially across the US, uh, has to be the most bad event in the entire year and it's not close whatsoever i would guess so yes we saw a lot of early movement but i think it's also because we are dealing with a super bowl that has opened below a field goal spread so in years past i can't remember exactly but i think over the past 10 years or something we didn't have a lot of games that were in the pick em to two and a half range so it's it's been mostly um, three or higher when I remember correctly. So, um, and, and yeah, and lines can move a lot faster if it's between pick him and a two and a half than let's say if it's across the three. Yeah, good perspective not all points created equal. And to that end, if we go off of market making sports books, we can say that this game opened as high as Kansas City minus two and a half, total as high as 51. And the side swung as far as Philadelphia, minus two and a half, minus 115. So we were pretty close to some Eagles minus threes for a moment. The total dropped as low as 49 from that opener, 51. Currently, we're settling somewhere in the middle of the consensus lines as we record this on Tuesday afternoon Pacific time. Uh, let's say Tuesday evening Summa Standard Time. Eagles minus one to one and a half, total 49 and a half to 50. Summa, what's your early read on this two way action overall, slightly favoring the Eagles as well as the under? I think it makes a lot of sense. And Jeffrey Benson tweeted that Serker had a bad opener. I would not call it a bad opener. Maybe technically, yes, but Circa only cares about early um, price discovery. So they were taking 20K a pop, uh, got quickly bet up to Eagles minus two and a half. And over the next 10, 12 days, they will uh, see a lot of money pouring in at, uh, I would guess, 200K next week. And maybe even a lot higher when it comes to the weekend. So they will not care one bit about being wrong on the on the opening number at all. But I think that I personally, before Sunday, made this game around a pick'em. And then on Sunday, we were dealing with the Chiefs injuries. Uh, Nicole Hartman, Kadarius Tony, Drew Smith-Schuster, Legereus Sneed, which is one of their most important defensive players, not named Chris Jones, and William Gay. I think William Gay is, is already cleared. Uh, Sneed is in the concussion protocol, and I don't think uh, we have seen any significant news um, on, the, on the state of their wide receiving group. So from my point of view, this should have been a pick-em with a healthy Patrick Mahomes and a healthy Chiefs team. And then we got those injuries, which, as a result only has to move towards the Eagles. So 
Um, in my opinion, that move towards the Eagle, Eagles was very justified. And now I think that there were only, uh, also a few buy points on the Chiefs where this number could not have been getting bet towards a minus three. And I guess depending on the injury news and depending on, on more money entering the market next week, I would not be surprised if we um, would go towards a pick em in this one. And you touched on those Chiefs injuries, not just Mahomes, but multiple other injuries on both sides of the ball. I feel like that could really dictate where this line moves over the next week and a half. And Sumo, when it comes to the litany of injuries on Kansas City's side, what are some of the biggest things you'll be watching for over this next week plus leading up to Super Sunday? I think we have to assume that Patrick Mahomes will be mostly healthy with, with two more weeks to prepare. I think we should always keep in mind a small chance of him re-aggravating that, that ankle injury like he did in the second half against the Bengals where he was driving towards the left sideline. Then he had to make a move and throw across his body. And that, and when he did that, he had to stem his, his right ankle like a little bit to the outside. And that was a move that caused a lot of pain and could potentially have re-aggravated some stuff. So I would guess that, yes, he will be close to 95, 98% next week. But one bad or wrong move could also cause some pain, I would guess. So there's still the small chance that, that Mahomes might re-aggravate his ankle, ankle injury during the Super Bowl. And on and when it comes to to those other in, injuries, I mean, Lajarius' knee is big. Um, big injury. Snead is there, arguably their best secondary player. Um, he covers a lot, of, a lot of ground in the slot, great against the run, can also blitz. Um, basically a, a, a Swiss army knife and without Snead, I think the Chiefs had three rookie cornerbacks on the field last last Sunday after Snead went out. So just imagine three rookie cornerbacks against Adrian Brown and Devontae Smith. Man, that uh, might not end up well for, for the Chiefs defense. Um, and on the other side, that wide receiving group. Um, I think that the Chiefs did a phenomenal job trading away Tyreek Hill from a process standpoint back then, but also from a results point of view, just one season after trading away um, Tyreek Hill because they were the number one offense in the league again. And I think it also helped that they have a a, vari a variety of uh, different um, wide receivers that they can throw out every Sunday. But now without Juju, Kadarius Tony and Nicole Hartman, you are taking away some of the playbook because Michael Hartman, lots of speed, can 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 take the ball on, on like end arounds and stuff like that. Juju is a great zone possession type of receiver, and Kadarius Tony is also a guy that in his last uh, two healthy starts got a lot of targets and a lot of looks by Patrick Mahomes. So without those guys, you are dealing with an offense that that has Travis Kelsey, uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. And then mostly nobody against the this Eagles uh, defense. Great pass rush. James ba Bradbury and Darius Slay. Either guy can can be put on Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and then you can basically bracket uh, Travis Kelsey. And I think if if those wide receivers are out, there will be pundits in, in the media that try to draw comparisons to that um, twenty twenty uh, Super Bowl where the Bucks basically were able to contain Tyreek Hill. 
and got to Patrick Mahomes with a f um, front, with their front four rush. That's a scenario I could I could also see again if those wide receivers would be out for the Chiefs. So that's definitely something to monitor. Do you have enough information right now where you can roughly guess the percentage likelihood that Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Tony, Nicole Hardman go on offense? Um, Sneed sounds like a go, but maybe Willie, Willie Gay on defense. Or is there anything you'll be looking for that will help you get more certainty on those guys as the next couple of weeks unfold? Sneed is in the concussion protocol, and usually it's 50-50 for the next week. And two weeks, it's usually in the 85-90% range. So I would assume that Ledger Sneed is in except that he is going to have lingering con concussion uh, con concussion symptoms and he could not end up playing. I, I think um, they should have their first practice, I think, Tuesday next week or Monday. And if Snead is at DNP, that will be a bad sign. So anything other than DNP, I, I would assume that uh, Snead will be fine. But DNP... Um, in the second week after getting the concussions, usually a, a very bad sign. And the wide receivers, I have not checked the uh, KC news today. No updates there. Um, there. There might be something out there, but I, I guess it, it all depends on next week's uh, practice reports. The injury to Tony it did not look good when I, could, when I remember correctly. Yeah, it sounds like of the three Chiefs receivers, he might be the longest shot to suit up on Super Sunday. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for any practice reports, probably early next week, to your point. And I know that if we're to hone in in this conversation on one storyline per team, the injuries, as we've touched on, pretty much the name of the game at this stage for Kansas City. For the Eagles, there's something else I want to run by you, but I don't want to just blow past injuries on their side altogether because when I connected with Drew Dinsick on this show yesterday, he mentioned that Jalen Hurts might be less than 100% to an extent greater than what we're being led on through what the Eagles are telling us, through what much of the mainstream media is portraying. So, Suma, I know you're usually very sharp when it comes to keeping up with injuries with a player of Hertz's magnitude. If he is more banged up than people are thinking, that could be a major factor in this one. Any thought as to potential re-aggravation to Hertz's shoulder injury at the end of the NFC title game? Or do you think that he will be similar to Mahomes just about 100%, even if he's not quite there. Yeah, I think the latter will be the case. I think he's not 100%, but I think he's close. He took a very bad hit in, in the game against the Niners, and he was in, in, in serious pain. So I still think that, that, that it's a pain control uh, thing right now with him. He made some throws early in the game, like the play where the Niners, I think they had like a cover zero blitz and they sent a linebacker through the B gap and he, he was not picked up and, and he had a straight free path to, to Jalen Hurts. I think it was on, on third and, and th third and short. And Jalen Hurts made a phenomenal play under pressure to AJ Brown over the middle of the field. And then I think on the very next play, they, they had that um, crazy play out of structure to Devontae Smith down the sideline which would have been incomplete, but I think it, it was still a great play despite not being highly accurate. So I think that Hertz is being is capable of playing close to 100%, but I also think that one big hit to his shoulder could be the same as for Patrick Mahomes. All right, so close tabs worth keeping on both quarterbacks here. When it comes to, I would say, probably one of the biggest storylines for the Eagles leading up to this game 
strength of schedule getting a lot of talk and you posted something on Twitter at the start of the week that got me thinking you can probably make a good argument as to how much that does or doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yes, the schedule argument drives me nuts because it's almost largely irrelevant who you play without looking at how you play against those those teams against that schedule. Um, if you are playing a very soft schedule and you're not doing well against it, yes, that's a good pain. That's a good point to make because despite playing a, a, a very easy schedule, you have not looked very good and there is an even greater chance that you don't look good against better comp uh, against better competition. But in the Eagles case, I mean, yes, they argue played the easiest schedule in the league, but they absolutely destroyed those teams. They are 14-1 and with Jalen Hurts as the starter and in the one game that they lost against the Commanders, They had like three very, very unlucky turnovers. Like Adrian Brown, great completion to Adrian Brown. The ball slips through his hands into the hands of a defender. Chris Watkins, like 50-yard uh, deep, deep bomb, catches the ball, fumbles it. Dallas Godard catches the ball, fumbles it, gets hurt, gets sent to IR. I mean, the Eagles almost played a perfect season while absolutely hammering the majority of their schedule. They went 69-14 against both opponents in the playoffs and people hold that against them, which makes absolutely zero sense to me. Like, I had some guys in my mentions um, that they said, yes, the Eagles um, faced the Giants and the Niners in the playoffs uh, and, and the Niners without any quarterback. I mean, the reason that the Eagles faced the Giants in the playoffs is because they were the fucking first seed, sorry. Yeah, that's the reason that they faced the, the New York Giants at home in the divisional round because they got the first seed because they were the best team in the NFC. Yes, they got a few breaks against the Niners, but let's be serious here. The Niners tried to block Hassan Reddick, a top five defensive player this season, the best Eagles pass rusher with a backup tight end. And he still got through and Brock Purdy hold, held on to the ball. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, the, the, the Eagles defensive line crushed both of those guys. I hope they get healthy quickly, but the Eagles front did a phenomenal job in that game, getting, uh, getting to the quarterback, and the Eagles won by 31-7. to 7. It's, not like the, uh, it's not like Philly, let, let's say, squeaked, uh, sneaked by like 2017 against the Niners and still had issues against the, the uh, fourth-string quarterback. They hammered them. 31 to 7. I mean, the schedule argument always makes sense if a team plays like an average team against against an easy schedule. The Eagles, in, in all games with Jalen Hurts, ranked second in EPA per play on offense. If the Jets played the same schedule as the Eagles, their offense would rank 20, 24th or something. Like, the Eagles are a great football team. They are very well coached. They are top to bottom, are easily the, the better team than the Chiefs, just that the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And I, I would also make the case that the Eagles have an advantage when, when it comes to coaching on in-game situations. Like, we can talk all game long, uh, all day long about the matchup, about the injuries for the Chiefs, how the Eagles might attack the Chiefs on the ground, through the air, whatever. But let's please 
don't talk about the easy schedule for the Eagles where they hammered almost every team on their schedule. The, the, the Patriots got three or four Super Bowls from, 2000, uh, from 2014 to the 2018 where they played a bottom five schedule. Like AFC East was always a cupcake, AFC playoffs was a cupcake. And like no one said, oh, it, they played such an easy schedule. They still won three Super Bowls. So let's let's focus on the matchup on the field, but please stop with the um, schedule narratives. And one of the Super Bowls the Patriots didn't win in that general time frame you just outlined came in a matchup against the Eagles. So kind of fitting to bring that full circle. Suma, I love the passionate take there on the strength of schedule doubters when it comes to Philadelphia. Um, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute or two, but to weave in Fabian's forecast, maybe an abbreviated version prior to a deeper dive next week. At this stage right now with the market movement that we've already seen, is there anything that you think is likely in terms of point spread movement, total movement, any props that are already out there that you think might move significantly between now and about this time next week when we reconvene? I have not looked at props. I think um, I can see this going towards a pick'em, but I think if the Chiefs get bad news on their wide receiving group next week or maybe even luxurious need, I think that the Eagles will take more money. All right, well said. I will say one prop to piggyback on your point about game management. I'm seeing it out there a little bit. It will probably become more widespread in the next few days. There's often the Super Bowl prop, which team will call the first time out, and it's often just <coughs> a flat minus 110 or minus 115 based on the sportsbook. I will forecast that Kansas City going to take on some money to be the team to use the first time out because they, the last two AFC title games, have burned timeouts on their opening possessions, including, I think, a pretty poor challenge by Andy Reid when Kadarius Tony didn't even seem to think he caught the ball that Reid yeah. challenged on the Chiefs' opening drive against Cincinnati. Kansas City was out of timeouts with about four minutes to go in the first half. I don't think Philadelphia would put itself in that situation with Nick Sirianni and their more analytically-minded staff, not to take anything away from Andy Reid. He's a great coach, but that's one thing that I think we could see some movement on in the next week, so I'll just throw that out there for now. And on that note, Suma, I'll go ahead and wrap us up. want to let the audience know you're not doing so already. You've been missing out all season long, but you can get more impassioned and informed takes from Suma, just like that Eagles strength of schedule argument, by following him on Twitter, at Suma810. That's S-U-U-M-A-8-1. <laughs> Excuse me. S-U-U-M-A-8-1. Eight one zero. I've only been saying that for about 19 weeks. Go figure. I stumble <laughs> on our first Super Bowl show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at mlandis18. Want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of Props and Hops. Our Super Bowl Shuffle interview series will continue tomorrow. So I'll see you then with another interview as we approach Super Bowl 57. Props and hops and props and-